What is up, everybody? Love you guys. Check this out. Welcome to yet another episode of the Bowman Legacies podcast, where you are brought to you by, of course, Bowman Legacies, making the blue-collar life better one CEO at a time. At Bowman Legacies, we do so many things. Um, LinkedIn coaching, personal life coaching, culture analysis of your organization, getting that heartbeat of what your people and your customers feel. Uh, and so far, we have had a phenomenal time doing it, and uh, we could not um, be anything today if it weren't for our clients. And we just want to take this time right now to thank them for everything that they're doing for us and helping us to jettison ourselves forward. We are also brought to you by author Grizz Waller who is writing a Western book that will throw you on your ear. That's right, it'll put you on your ear. Uh, it is called Selfish Acts of Righteous Men. And without further ado, I am going to introduce uh, our guest today. And he is, he has been one of those kinds of friends for me that has helped me to jettison forward, not only in my career, but in my personal life. He is one of the people in my life that has also taught me how to coach people and how to kind of look into those deep and murky places. He is also a person that um, taught me how to drill in the drilling industry. And um, we have spent those late nights till three o'clock in the morning, uh, burning the midnight oil, working hard, and also doing a lot of laughing in life. Without further ado, again, <laughs> let me introduce to you a great friend, a great brother, Darren Burton. Appreciate it. It's good to be here with you, Michael, and uh, just being a part of your broadcast and just real proud of seeing, you know, where you've grown and, and how things are moving forward with you in life and business and everything else. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an honor to be here with you. I think the the biggest chore in this conversation is for us not to act stupid. <laughs> I would have to agree with that. <laughs> I think uh, Darren and I are ever the two children that will make fart noises at a funeral. And I think that that's one of the hardships uh, to us getting together. You can always pretty much guarantee we're, we're, we're going to do something that's going to embarrass either ourselves <laughs> mm -hmm. or other people. Especially but, our wives. Especially our, our wives. kids. They're kind of desensitized now. Though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, they're kind In, of. Enclosed confines. Now, you, you get us out there around other people, and <laughs> it's kind of a little different story there. Then we have conversations on the way home. Yeah. No, we don't even do that anymore, man. My <laughs> wife is so like, she is so just blind to it anymore. She's like, Mike did what? Oh, yeah. He showed his butt. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's Mike. But anyway, what I want to talk about, you know, uh, for the Bowman Legacies podcast, as we're moving forward, one of the things that we definitely focus on is we want to bring our listeners and our audience and our clients the most value that we can for their lives. And one of the things that it's been an honor to watch you and grow and knowing so much about your life and you knowing so much about mine is that we've faced some very similar adversities at the same time. And I think those adversities would help encourage other people who are trying to start their own business that are trying to kind of redefine who they want to be. And um, <clears throat> I think you and I, uh, you know, we kind of associate more with the anti-hero than we do that spotless lamb who is just, you know, saving the day every day. Right. 
Yeah, I'd have to, I mean, agree with that. It's, we both have uh, had our trials and different things. I remember different times being on the phone and, and working things out, you know, just between us and uh, in the sense of uh, me encouraging you, you encouraging me and trying to just work through our everyday things just so, you know, uh, you don't completely go off the rails. Yeah, we've had a lot of those. Am I crazy? Conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Am I nuts or is this totally screwed up? And right. you you were always there for me to go like, yes, you are nuts. Yeah. And yes, this is totally screwed up. Um, I want to talk about, you know, um, kind of where you and I started uh, getting to know each other was in the middle of uh, being part of a non-for-profit and pastoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a senior pastor and just kind of tell me uh, as uh, from one of our branches, I guess you would say, what branch i guess <clears throat> yeah yeah i mean that works yeah sure that works and there was a lot of just extreme adversity in those situations first of all we minister to people that were um, a lot of times incarcerated at some point in their lives and trying to be at that place where everything's been set on fire and now they have to rebuild so it was a in the trenches constant um drama all the time something bad really bad was happening all the time yeah and then as we began to grow these different finger systems kind of came out and i think uh i think the hub kind of failed to support yeah many times you find definitely within that area of walk of our life with ministry you know like you're saying dealing with the jail ministry and prison ministry and then even having um you know, just checkered backgrounds. You know, we always talked about we ministered to ones and try to help those ones that had fell through the cracks of the system. Yeah. Um, you know, you do that in ministry, you can do that through the workplace, you know, everywhere in life, because there's always people falling through the system. But with that, it brings its own baggage and it creates right. its own baggage. And, you know, it makes it difficult because especially as in our positions that we had at, at those times, you're kind of you almost feel like you're in the swamp by yourself, you know, because there's a lot of things just uh, from a even, even probably in the, in the business world. There are certain areas that, you know, you are on your own because legally we can't just talk about them. Yeah. You know, we can't just go and everything someone's put on our shoulders, you know, or talk to us about. We don't have that release point and didn't have that release point where we could just talk freely about it. I mean, legally. Right. So you're holding all these things in and as, as you know, it doesn't mean that your life has little places, slips and slides and everything else where we have to keep that together at the same time. You're getting bombarded by all these other things that you can't talk about. You can't deal with, you can't solve it for them. You have to try to help lift them up through that. And same thing in, in business, in leadership, you know, if you have a heart that cares about the people that you're dealing with, whether it's like I say, business, a job, uh, leadership, ministry. If you have that love and that heart for them, you know, it breaks in those times for them as well. Mm-hmm. And you're always constantly swimming upstream and feeling right. that current against you right? as you're trying to help someone else. And so it does have a, a weight on you. And when you feel like you're that lone, lone person in the boat paddling, it gets difficult. It gets very difficult. You know, I've seen this in many organizations <clears throat> if they grow. <clears throat> I call it the anaconda syndrome. It's something that I've kind of came up with. And one of the things I learned about, because, you know, I'm crazy about animals. So and and wildlife and flora and fauna and all that. 
But I learned that the anaconda gets so big, it has to spend most of its time in the water or in the trees because it's so huge. Its body cannot support the weight of its organs and Mm. just the weight of its scales and its body anymore. So it has to be in these places of least resistance. And organizations sometimes get that. They get these anaconda syndromes where the head doesn't know what the tail is doing. And now they've got to go to the path of least resistance and nothing's getting rebuilt, refortified or supported. Right. And if you think about it, I mean, I think, well, I don't know what the longest recorded anaconda is. I think it's like 40 feet, which is wow. insane. <clears throat> that is. I think like someone right now is listening. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Um, but let's I just say 37.3. Yeah. I, it's actually four foot, Mike. It's four <laughs> foot. That's the, you're, you're, that's, you know, like 40 feet, my God. But if, anyway, I think it is about something like that. And if he could actually, you know, if his bone structure would grow, continue to grow my god these things you'd be like the one in the movie anaconda you know just this thing would be 300 feet long and just be the terror of the world beating airplanes you know and um but organizations do that and they get bigger they fail to support those people that brought them along the way and then those people fall along the wayside and we saw that really especially with you it just seemed like there was no real hands-on. There was no real support. It was just kind of, you're out there and you're on your own. And you and I, I think one of the, one of the best moments of my life to learn how to be a real friend was, <clears throat> I was so tired. I was so frustrated. And I have no idea how the meeting between you and I came, but you met me at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> and I remember you kind of calling me out of the blue. Not We knew each other. We hung around each other, but we didn't really know each other that well. But you saw something in a frustrating frustration in me somehow, and you you reached out to help me. And this is so beautiful because you reached out to help me. You didn't have to. Right. We were not at the same facility. Right. We were not. <clears throat> um, we didn't. We didn't minister or work or counsel the same people. We didn't work cohesively with any kind of program or anything that we had to do. You reached out and said, "I want to help you." Right. And, and so you helped me and we met at a Chinese restaurant and I remember talking and kind of feeling and I just I don't know what happened, but I let it rip. I was like Ricky snack ragging brock ragging snack ragging platypus ragging and I'm just letting the F bombs fly like there's no tomorrow, like my life depended on it. And then I looked at you and I was like, oh crap. I just realized all that frustration has dumped it and you started laughing so hard <laughs> and you didn't judge me. No, you didn't judge me, dude. So here we are at this thing. We're starting to work together now and we start talking more and, and kind of hanging out and, and having a lot of laughs, but we're also sharing uh, the heaviness of what we're dealing with and getting a uh, playing, throwing ideas off of each other. And it just kind of folded up for both of us at the same time, you know, and without going into all the gory details, you, myself, and two other pastors, we just all left. It was just, it was, it was not conducive for our families. It was not a good place. They were not growing. They were not moving forward. There were some very frightening things that were happening. So we left. And that's really what I want to base a lot of this podcast off of is moving forward from that moment where you spent your whole life wanting something and then you're crushed by it being pulled out from underneath you. Right. And I think too, we dealt with, and sometimes businesses, you know, uh, do the same thing is where you come out of the gate, you have a vision and you have a direction 
and you try to assemble some things. And then sometimes you you get this unexpected growth. Yeah. And it happens so fast. Yeah. You really can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of, you know, my frustrations, the infrastructure for me um, in ministry, church I was building and everything else didn't have a really good working infrastructure that. So it was kind of because it was growing so fast that, you know, you're flying by the seat of your pants. Right. And then, like, as you spoke a minute ago, when you don't have really a lot of that support mechanism there, it just gets really frustrating. Yeah. And <clears throat> but there is light at the end of the tunnel tunnel. Um, I did get out of that, you know, and, and you did, too, like you mentioned, about the same time. And and I really I mean, I got out of ministry for four or five years. Yeah, I was just done with it. Working Didn't 90 hours a week, drilling. <laughs> yep. Nine by, by guys. I worked an 80-hour <laughs> week, and I knew I was going to work Saturday and Sunday. And I thought to myself, I've got Darren licked. So I called him, leaving. I'll never forget. I was leaving out. I don't know if I can say this. Well, the customer. I can't there say you who. I don't there think. There you go. But I was leaving the customer, and uh, they were the ones there in Indy that said, you know, oh, we close at, at 4 or 5, but really at 3.30 on a Friday, that gate is shut. And so I'm rolling out of there and I'm calling Darren up and I was like, <laughs> I got you beat, man. I'm I just work. Let, and I just let you talk. I, I'm going to work Saturday. I'm going to work Sunday. I've got you licked. Oh, I text you. And then our boss called me. I'm like, you know, he goes, you know what? You've been working so hard. I want you to go home this weekend. No. I was like, son of a gun. And then Darren says, oh, I'm working Saturday and Sunday and I've got 85 hours and you still work two more like 16 hour days. And I was like, you know, so you're working all that time and, and you walked away from a dream. Right. How easy was that? Um, well, it's kind of, uh, you can kind of see it on both hands. There was a side of it. There was a relief and it was real easy to, you're just spent yeah. and you're done. But then there's the other side of where you don't, feel like you have realized that dream coming to fruition in the way that you thought that it would. So many times in, in whether it's, you know, in the job place and in business, running a company, doing ministry, you know, uh, pastoring in church, the expectations a lot of times doesn't match the reality. Yeah. And we lose focus and we get jaded in our thoughts and, and the way we act and, and the way that we proceed in doing things. And, and I was at that point. So there was a side of me that was relieved. And, and then there was the side of me that was, I didn't feel like I had fulfilled, yeah. you know, what it was my dream. And, and for me, my calling, you right. know, whatever that, you know, would be as far as uh, someone in the business world, maybe they've had, um, you know, a lot of aspirations to achieve to certain levels. Right. Uh, uh, you know, within a company and then kind of like the proverbial dog chasing the car. Once you caught it, you didn't really know what to do with it or it didn't quite go the way you had planned it going, you know? Yeah. And that thing, especially when it has momentum and then that thing you hold on to it and you grab a hold of it, it just kind of beats <laughs> you going down the road, you know, and just kind of whack, yeah. whack, whack. And, uh, oh God. Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of in that phase. Why are you so angry? <laughs> right. And I, and I, I know that, um, you know, you were a major support to me in that time. And <clears throat> what was kind of cool is like you left just before I did, I think. I and, think so. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually, 
remember talking to you about it and you're like, dude, if you need a job, I get you a job right now. I was like, doing what? Drilling. <laughs> and I was like, and then you said, <laughs> look, Mike, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to work your ass off. <laughs> you're you're going to work hard. You're going to work a lot of hours. And what I didn't know at that time is that my health was just deteriorating rapidly. I went from like running three miles a day. I weighed like 165, 170 soaking wet to gaining X-Men. We're just not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about how much I gained, but we're just going to, I gained a little poundage and um, started, my health started deteriorating. And I, when I came on there, I knew I mean my old jobs, I'd work those times. You know, I worked right. three days straight one time for, for a job that worked in Florida and it was no big deal. I'm like, Oh, pff, no problem. Oh yeah. It was a problem. And to be able to go from, Having a 20-year plan set ahead of, ahead of me with BHAGs in place, those big audacious, big hairy dreams in place, and actually planning it out precisely and taking several years to do that to standing on a ledge. It was minus 20 that day, and you and I had ice on our beards and our eyelashes. <laughs> Literally went one day having my own office to standing out on a ledge, drilling on it with a drill tech on some loose, unconsolidated material that our safety guy said, if we did anything, we were going to die. So, you know, <laughs> so I'm terrified because everything we're going to do is going to kill us. And there we are, I'm drilling. And I was like, what happened? It was such culture shock for me. And it was so cool that, you know, um, you know, if, if you're listening and you're not a, a Christian person, don't worry about it. Spit out the bones, eat the meat of this conversation. But it's funny how the universe or God, in my opinion, God put us together because if it weren't for that transition and you being there, I wouldn't have went. I, I didn't do well in the transition, I'll say. <laughs> you did okay. But but having you there made it so much easier because I'll say during that time, I, I, I failed, you know. My dream, I felt, was pulled out from underneath me. I gave up being a, for, a federal forest ranger. I, I gave up my fighting career. I gave up, which wasn't much of a career, but it was starting to bud and blossom. Um, I gave up everything to do this one thing. And what I allowed it to do was just to steal and sap my joy. And I didn't realize it wasn't that big a deal. I made it a lot bigger of a deal than what it was. And I drank too much. I fall down. I failed. I clung to whoever would listen to me, you know, and um, felt like my marriage was about to fall apart. Uh, I was in a low place, man, during that time. I was not the best me. <laughs> and what's scary is you had so many people you and I both affected for good, literally hundreds of people that are looking at me just crumble. <laughs> and, and that was hard. That made it worse. That made me drink just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of times we we find ourselves in that position where we do a great job being there or working for someone else. Yeah. Speaking, you know, uh, encouragement and positive things into their life, giving them the the same counsel that we won't accept ourselves. Yeah. You know, oh, and yeah. that, you know, we don't uh, travel the paths that uh, many times we find ourselves, our type of personality, where we don't travel the path that we send others on. Yeah. And then and then sometimes we're shocked and scratching our heads and can't figure it out. But for the last, you know, five people that we've encountered, 
we uh, we totally can figure it out. Absolutely. And and so I think that's frustrating. And and that yeah. makes us uh, for our type of personality. I mean, that makes us uh, how can I say it? Feel even more just like we're failing. Yeah. And we're failures. You know, it's like oh, yeah. I can help everybody else, but yet my own life is just upside down. And and taking those things in and and it's difficult. Yeah. You know, and and um, especially when it comes into any kind of avenue of leadership. Right. You know, and everybody's looking to you. Yeah. You, know, you have to have the answers. Mm-hmm. When everything goes great, you get the pats on the back, you know, but when it goes wrong, you're getting all of the garbage. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like you you own it when things are going good, but yet you have to own it when things are falling apart. Yeah. And that's that's leadership altogether in anything. Yeah, I and, think it shows in the process too is like how corrosive bitterness can be. Oh yeah, you got to be so nimble in that situation. And I tried, I really <laughs> tried, but I think that there were some people in that situation, and I know you agree with me that deliberately thwarted our efforts to move forward so they could move forward. It was such a cutthroat situation that it was like, okay, I can't affect this for the better. I'm actually killing myself trying to change the culture of this around. And and it's hurting me. It's hurting my family and many other people. It's time to go. And so to I, I always have this white knight syndrome, this overly sense of justice where I feel like I've got to do something about this. So to walk away from something that was really corrosive and bad that I couldn't fix, it made me want to go to war. Mm-hmm. And I had nowhere to take my axe with to. I had nowhere to take my sword and shield to. And I felt so disenfranchised and lost. And then I felt abandoned. And not really having that parental support, you and I both growing up, we don't, we didn't grow up with the, you know, the, the, the I don't know, the, the Boy Scout dream, you know, dad was the, a ward cleaver type that's of thing. That's what I was going to say, wasn't, yeah. wasn't cleavers. Yeah. My dad had tools in his toolbox and he tried to use them, you know what I mean? But they were very crude at times. And so, um, and I love my father so much, but uh, you, you kind of just feel abandoned by God and you feel like, well, man, there's nothing that I can do to make this better. And I counseled people, man, in those times. Mm-hmm. And just to, to back up your point, and I've helped people get off crack cocaine. I've helped people to live a better life. People who are cooking meth to reunite with their families, help people to go, okay, look, the state has split you up, spread your kids all over the world. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix your home. And then, right. And then we're going to fix your kids too. And we're going to bring it back together. And I've seen that be very successful, but then, you know, there was a part of me, there was a lot of ego in that. And, and I don't want you guys to get me wrong, but there was. And so many times we have to analyze and make sure that where our ego is and put our heads in the right perspective. But when I look back, there's a lot of ego there. And then when that was all taken from me, that ego had no way to get fed. And so when I started helping people again, I had to redefine who I was. And I know I burned some bridges during that time. I knew it hurt some people. But instead of staying there, and I want to encourage my listeners, guys, those of you that are there right now, it's time to get up. And it's time to reinvent who you are. Ed Milet says, rewrite the script. You're the one writing. I've always said to people, look, because I'm a storyteller and I write fictional books. Hey, guys, you're the author here. You're the author. You're the one steering this ship. You get to decide what direction it goes into. 
And that's hard too, because when I mm -hmm. changed from pastor to driller to safety guy, there were people who could not accept that and wanted to, me to keep and stay in the box of every one of those transitions. So for you, man, you're pastoring again. You're flourishing again. Right. You're doing coach's corner. <laughs> yeah. And you've got it where, where you're online preaching COVID. It's happened. And so you just adapted. Right. And you reinvented yourself. How did you get past that place where people are looking at you going, well, Darren, you're just a driller. Or when you transition from full-time driller from pastor, well, you're pastor Darren. You can't, you know, oh my God, I saw an alcoholic beverage in Darren's hand. He's going <laughs> to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, Aaron actually, Darren actually hates alcohol, the taste of alcohol. And he's a friend of mine. And I know that because he's seen me um, in um, some not great places. <laughs> Been ever so gracious assisting me back to my room. Um, how do you, or how did you rather just go, you know what, I'm going to make these transitions. And from the outside looking in, it just looks like it wasn't hard for you. But how did you make those, how did you not allow people to put you in that box of pastor driller? Well, I, I would have to say, I guess for me, it's a little bit unique. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of like bivocational pastors out there and leaders and you definitely have to be able to compartmentalize you know different aspects and different things of who you are in different places at different times for different reasons but i i think for me on a spiritual level you know it, it's naturally going to relate more towards back to that calling as who i am and and what i know that for me uh in my belief in god and where i'm at you know guiding me and directing me back in that direction. He, he gave me about a four or five year reprieve there. I, you know, was able to collect yeah. myself and try to gain, uh, some wisdom, you know, through others like you and, and just different ones, um, and, and reading and different things to figure out who I am, where I need to be for this particular phase of my life. And of course, I'm still drilling and everything for the company that I've been with for 10 years, but I'm back in the arena pastoring, took over, you know, a church that was having some issues and different things and trying to help lead them through it. And so, you know, there's, there are different hurdles and different things, but I approach it with a different mindset Yeah. Um, because, you know, life, if you want to call it the Lord, if you want to call it life, um, you know, it doesn't matter, but life has a way of humbling you. Yeah. And teaching you some wisdom through that time of being humbled. If you'll let it. If you'll let it. It'll and you have to be, you, or, exactly. Or it'll it'll crush you or it'll build you. Yep. One absolutely. or the other. And luckily I was on, on the side of, okay, I, I need to get a handle on this mm -hmm. and, and move forward in life rather than just sitting and spinning my wheels and just always having that thing in me that knew was a driving force in the direction I wanted to go, you know? For some people, it may be they want to climb, you know, they get aspirations to climb to high levels of leadership or CEO of a company or whatever it may be, whatever your thing is. But I know a lot of people out there because they've allowed others to speak into their life of who they are because of past, because mm -hmm. of past, past uh, bad decisions or whatever it is, they speak negativity into their life and we listen to it. Yeah. And it holds us back from being able to climb to those levels that we know we're capable. 
Yeah. And we sit back and we start the drink. And, you know, you talked about that with you. And we (laughs) start sipping on that stuff and doing those things and putting ourselves in compromising positions in life that totally disrupts and sometimes crushes the relationships around us. How many people have been destroyed their marriages and, and friendships and everything else because we've allowed what others have poured into us to take us over. Yeah. Rather than finding out who we are and regardless of what everyone else thinks. Yeah. I'm moving forward in who I know that I am. Yeah. And I'm not going to, you know, look at all the different stories in Hollywood or writers or, you know, uh, screenwriters, different things, playwrights, whoever. Look at all those stories where they were told no. They were oh told they yes. weren't good enough. Oh, my. Yes. They 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 didn't have it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember stories like Clint Eastwood and. And yeah. different ones, you know, because of his speech and same thing uh, with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And yeah. I mean, you can go story after story where if they chose to listen to the voices. Right. We wouldn't even know their names today. That's true. But they chose to look past what someone else said. Yeah. And who they tried to convince them that they were or they were not. And they leaned on themselves and picked themselves up and said, I'm not going to let anything hold me back. Doesn't matter if that's ministry, doesn't matter if that's being a CEO, doesn't matter if it's being the best, you know, line person at McDonald's, whatever, you do it at the best of your ability and then read, 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 read. If you need to take courses, take courses. You need to go back Mm -hmm. to school, go back to school. Yeah. But further yourself. Don't feel like where you're at right now is your end destination. Yeah, you're not stuck. No, you're not stuck. You get society convinces we're stuck. Yeah. Culture, the culture we see around us right now, many times, it causes us to get stuck. It does. Because we don't measure up to it or we don't see things quite the way that they see things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of division in this nation right now because culturally, you've got different aspects, people looking at things in different ways and they tear each other apart. Yeah. Versus building each other up. So firmly on their own labels. You know, I talked about this, about marginalized people and standing labels on the ConAg uh, podcast uh, last week. And and I think so often that we stand on our own labels. Like you said, you know, people speak things and we let that to label us. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget, you know, wanted, I had several dreams growing up. One of those, I wanted to be a fighter pilot so bad I couldn't even see straight. I still, if I see an F-16 or A-10 or F-18 or anything fly over me, I'm telling you, my heart just swells. I get tears in my eyes. And so... I don't know what that is. You know, I don't know what that is about or why, but uh, I was told you're too dumb. Yeah. You know, I was literally told you're too stupid. You need to work in a factory. Look, I'm telling you, you're not that smart of a guy. And I was told that by somebody that uh, was very close to me and I admired. And he's like, you've got to keep your head down, Mike. You're, you're, you're like, you're like almost mildly retarded. So I don't, I don't want you getting your hopes up for dreams that just aren't going to happen. And so then, we get so disenfranchised or hurt when that dream doesn't happen because we've been holding on to it so white knuckled as if that's the end destination. A lot of people are like, what's your BHAG for Bowman legacies? What's your big dream? I'm like, man, my dream is that I pay the bills and I affect people <laughs> and, and in a positive way and I right. help change the world. That's the BHAG. I don't have those solid white knuckle things. Cause if tomorrow something greater comes on than what I'm doing now, I'm willing to move on and go, yeah, I'm not the Bowman legacies guy anymore. You know what I mean? I'm willing to do right. that. It's just like Turner. Someone told me one time that 
what's it like to be the face of Turner Mining Group? And I was like, that's the biggest load of hogwash I ever heard in my life. The face of Turner Mining Group are the guys in the dirt getting it done. That's mm-hmm. the face of Turner Mining Group and not me. And so then when I transitioned, a lot of people had a hard time with that. They couldn't get it. I lost a lot of followers. And I'm starting to rebuild all that. But people want to feel comfortable because they don't want to see you prevail because that reflects poorly on themselves when they're not. And there are people that meaning well will drag you down on your own dreams and visions in life and speak things over you and label you things that never belonged on on you. I told a client this yesterday that, look, you don't have time for this. You don't have time for the bitterness or the hurt even from it because you are trying to take your vessel across these new seas, these new lands. You don't have time to carry the weight. You've got to be nimble. You've got to move past all that and reinvent, and you get to say who you are. I'm really big on writing a list of things that you think you're not and those things that you want to be, and then speaking those things that you want to be. And it's literally out loud speaking them mm-hmm. to yourself. And I think one of the powerful things that I've also think is having people around you that hold you accountable to the person you want to be. There's been many times that I have said things that were out of line or out of my hurt and bitterness that you were willing to hold me accountable to and say, I, that, you know, there were situations where you looked in my life and you could see down the pike of where it was headed. And you said, Hey, I don't think that's going to bode well for you. You need to avoid right. this person, this person that's, that's being so kind to you right now. This is not going in the right direction, bro. You need to sever that. And then sever that and then watch other things blossom because of it. And I think that's so important is to surround yourself. Um, oh, gosh, um, I forget the guy's name. Oh, Les Brown. No, his name is, is my own. Les Brown always says, I think it's, uh, let's see, QPO, quality people only. QPO, quality people only. And as you level up, you got to surround yourself with people who challenge you and people who hold you accountable. And people who are doing it on a higher level than you are. You, you've got to. And I thought, I always felt like that's what you were for me, Drilling, because <laughs> what's your weekend like? I don't know. What do you mean? You know, I don't really remember most of it. <laughs> and you, you were there just to even go, you know, just to be so gentle as to kind of bring me along that way and walk through the murk and trenches of my life and not be scared of any of it. Right. Well, and I think in another, uh, just jumping off a point that you mentioned there about having these certain type of people in your life. I think another thing also is always have your radar antennas up that those people that you are choosing to be around you in life, make sure that they have your best interests at heart. Yeah. And it isn't just so they can get a springboard or that it helps them out. I mean, mm-hmm. we've all had those people in our lives. You definitely get them in ministry. Oh, and I yeah. know you get them in the business world and corporate oh, yeah. world where they really only like you or act like they like you or care about something as long as it develops into something for them. But oh, yeah. as soon as that's gone, they're gone. Yeah. So there really, there really was, no, and, and that is disheartening. It is. When that happens and things collapse around you, mm-hmm. when all of those Faithful people that you thought were around you. When you were on your way up. When you were on your way up, yeah. They just fall by the wayside and drop like flies. Yep. You know, then all of a sudden you realize 
man, it was, it was just a house of cards waiting to fall. Yeah. It never was what you thought it would be. So I, I, I encourage that whole concept of what you're talking about, surrounding yourself with positive people, yeah. people that encourage you and lift you up. And, and I'm not talking about necessarily that it has to be people that are involved in your, in your life to a point where you're going out to dinner and they're coming over playing cards on the weekend <laughs> and, and things no. like that. It doesn't have to be that, but almost a, a mentorship to where you're not surrounding yourself with yes people. Mm-hmm. but you don't surround yourself with people who just want something from you. And they're only there as long as you're good for them. Yeah. You know, because that's a tough, that's a tough thing, but yeah. it happens. It happens all the way across the board in our lives in different mm-hmm. situations. And especially when we've shown ourselves to be susceptible to the fall. Yeah. And then everything in our lives collapsing around us. And then we go in bad directions. Yeah. So once you've, you've, You've brought, you've had others come around you and you yourself too, doing a self-analysis and looking at yourself and who you are, where you want to be and who, who that you say you are, or in, in a, in a, like what I would say, as far as, as a pastor, you know, who God says I am. Yeah. And I begin to walk in that versus what everybody's trying to convince me Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, surrounding yourself with those kind of people that believe in you because they believe in people. Yeah. They actually care about people. Yeah. You know, because we know that devastation is right around the corner when we start falling prey to the things that we are, have the potential to go towards and gravitate towards. That right. isn't good for us. Mm-hmm. There's you know? a lot of things I do that's not beneficial. <laughs> right. right. You know, there's a lot of things I do that's not beneficial. And so, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think that it's just hard because, you know, I think a lot of people, when you lead, expect, like you said, in the very beginning of this conversation, for you to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. They expect for you not to fail. Um, I once had a guy tell me <laughs> he had just confessed, confessed some pretty hard things. And there was some legality behind it and some mm-hmm. things that I had to do by, by law. And um, I'll never forget. He's like, you know, I just so admire you. And admire you as a person. I I hate right now that I've failed you. And I said, bro, I'm not God. I love you still. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. If I'm to drop the toolbox on my foot, every F-bomb that's ever been created is coming out in such a fury. <laughs> I sound like a professional. <laughs> and I also fall and I also fail. And that's so important about what you said. Guys, look. Surround yourself with people that are going to support you when you fall, not get out of the way. <laughs> right, right. You know, Definitely. And uh, I, I have a colleague of mine who, who told me once, he said, man, this guy really wants to mentor me. He really wants to support me. And I told him, I'm like, bro, I'm telling you right now, this is not going to bode well. My antenna is up. Just like you said, I didn't, I always use my ears are up because mm-hmm. I'm German shepherd. So I'm like, my ears are up. And and so he kept going on with the situation, calls me later, and it's exactly what happens. And here's for you young people, sometimes the radar or your ears going up is something that doesn't develop until after you've really been hurt. <laughs> and, that's true. and sometimes that's just experience. So don't, don't stray away from pain, guys. Here's the thing. This is what I try to do. I try to build my little Nerf world. And when it all came crashing down, and there are obviously people like Darren here to support me. That was great. 
but I did, I wanted to avoid the pain. And that's why I started drinking. I started drinking because I wanted to drown out the hurt. I'm like, dang, I don't <laughs> like this, man. I, I want this to stop hurting. And so I built this facade around myself to stop hurting. Look, enjoy the pain. Think of it this way. You, you're, you're, you are need to grieve when these situations happen and you have to allow yourself to. I was once told as a kid, real men don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about. Well, actually, it's been proven that crying is part of our body's way to be able to grieve in such a way that it mm -hmm. helps us to actually let go of the situation so we can look at things logically. Panic and bitterness comes when we don't allow ourselves to go through the process of hurt. And that's how you move forward is first allow yourself to grieve, to get that off of your shoulders. You don't have to carry the weight of that anymore. And then you can look at the situation logically, prioritize, execute, and move forward. And it's people who master that are the people who are so nimble in life. And like you said, mentioned earlier so eloquently, that actually start to live up to that potential that was already there, that greatness that's already there. Guys, you have greatness mm -hmm. within you. Right. And living up to that potential means you don't dwell on these things that aren't essential. Is it going to help you? No. Right. Hating somebody for hurting you, is it going to help you? No. If your business has failed today and you're having to walk away from it, being bitter about it is not going to help you. Owning it, grieving over it, and then moving forward, you got to think of it like a battle and you have a constant enemy and that enemy is your own self-doubt and self-loathing. And you must conquer this enemy to move forward. For those of you that are higher achievers and you're wanting to move forward and you're wanting to do great things and you're filling your heads with Les Brown, this podcast, Coach's Corner, <laughs> you're, you're listening to Ed Milet, who I strongly recommend, and you're wanting to be nimble, you don't have time to be better. So allow the process to happen so you can move forward. And don't allow people's labels to define who you're going to be. Their label is not your destination. Loser is not your destination. Biker is not your destination. You know, I know golfer is not your destination. Right. You can't allow people to put you down. I talked about this before. I'll say it again. David Grohl, big Foo Fighters fan. And he, he said one time, he's like, look, if I ever went into a, a singing competition, they would tell me that I was no good. He's David Grohl, you know. <laughs> he's the lead singer to the Foo Fighters. It's amazing what he's been able to accomplish with the naysayers in his life. We have to be nimble like this. We have to keep going. Darren didn't say, "Well, I, I, I failed," or the situation, the system failed me, and so I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to help people anymore. I'm not going to reach out anymore. I'm not going to put my heart on that platter so people can stick a fork in it anymore. No, Darren said, I need a little time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I need a little time. I need to sort through this stuff. I'm not going to play the blame game. I'm going to take extreme ownership over my own actions and where I faltered. And then I'm going to forgive those who faltered and, and kind of played a part in the whole thing. And then after five year hiatus, which seems like so long, but it's not a long time, guys. No. You know, taking a break from certain things. Five years is nothing. And then comes back swinging strong, coming on strong. I mean, how many followers do you have on the coach's corner? Um, 
we usually probably have by the time a week's out, we'll have probably anywhere from a thousand to probably at the most we've had about 2000. I would say average, maybe 12, 1300 so, people will tune in and watch it at some point. That went in no time from zero to 1200 to 2000. And that's really uncommon for those of you guys that are like me that are studying all these trends and, um, and listening to all these trends on TV or TV, listen to me, dummy. I'm sorry. Look, I just did something I told my clients not to do. Um, uh, you genius, badass, Michael, you No, <laughs> but you know, and you're watching trends, you're listening to things and you're seeing how you're trying to grow your brand. A thousand people kind of overnight is kind of crazy. <laughs> and so that's huge. And that shows that you're giving it your all and you're not allowing the weight of yesterday to bog you down for today. Right. Well, and it's, it's just having that, uh, you have to have desire, you know, you have to have the want to no one life will coddle you and, you know, hold you, hold you there in its arms, like a little baby and, and stroke your head and your hair on your head and everything. And oh, poor baby, poor baby. They, those people are so rotten. They were so bad to you and, and life will do that. And it keeps you right in the same rut you always have been. Yep. And until you decide, you have to make the determination that you are not going to stay where you are. Yes. No one is going to do Amen. that for you. You know, because you can have... Let's say, hold on. Say that again. I'm interrupt. No one is going to do that for you. Exactly. Nobody. No one cares about you more than you care about you. Mm-hmm. No one is going to care about your success more than you care about your success. Yep. And pulling yourself up. It's, you know, it's, it's something that you have to do. You can sit, waller in your pity, waller in, in the self who you've decided that you are because of what other people have labeled you as. Mm -hmm. And until you make a conscious effort and decision, you see that that's the first step in everything. Yeah. You have to make a decision. Yeah. If you won't make a decision and commit to it, then you're never going to get out of that rut. Yep. And you're always going to listen to what others label you as. Yeah. And and so that'd be the first thing I would encourage your listeners is today, make a decision. Yeah. You know, and, you know, there's there's, you know, uh, a friend of mine, he'd always you say there's, you know, your answers are yes, no and maybe, which means no. Yeah. You know, because even maybe is a decision. Yeah. Which is no. <laughs> and yeah. so and and so you have to make a decision today. Yes, I'm coming up out of this mm-hmm. or no. I'm not going to. I'm just going to sit and waller in my pity for a little while longer. Or, well, I will if I get around to it, which means mm-hmm. you'll never get around to it. Mm-hmm. And begin to to start feeding yourself and lifting yourself up. And, and maybe it isn't that just everything is went, you know, just haywire and upside down, but you're just striving to be a better leader. You know, we're talking, we're kind of talking today from a standpoint of where things kind of collapsed. Our, our house of cards fell. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe your house of cards hasn't fell. Yeah. You know, it hasn't fallen just yet, but you're, you can feel yourself teetering a little bit and you can, you can see all this opposition and, and just things, you know, in the workplace and business place where, where things are coming against you, yeah. you know, you know, uh, at one point you, you were the one that you were the, the star athlete that everyone was cheering and you're starting to find now that you're not hearing so many cheers anymore. <laughs> you're not getting the pats on the back anymore yeah. and it begins to affect you psychologically. Mm-hmm. And, and how you move forward in your life and in your leadership. And you have to stop, take an assessment, 
and make a decision. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, nobody else will. That's so true, man. That's brilliant. And I, I actually told a client today, uh, they were kind of on the fence of, you know, is this all worth it? And I was like, bro, you should have made that decision before you got a logo, <laughs> right? Before you got your, uh, your, your before you got your federal ID, yeah, your tax ID, you, you know, um, is it all worth it? Why would you do it? Why are you doing it? What's the big dream behind it? You know, what's the dream behind the dream? And and just told him, it's like, you got to make a decision. You've got to draw a line in the sand and stand over or stand behind it. But I'm going to tell you right now, standing behind it, you'll never be happy. Nope. You'll never be happy. You've got to decide and you've got to move forward. You've got to be insatiable about it. You've got to be laser beam focused. You have to be obsessed. You have to have this level of obsession about what you want to do. You know, to be honest, when, when I was drilling, if it's drilling good and you're getting the footage and at the end of the day, you get to tell daddy, eh, hey, I got 1400 feet today. You know what I mean? Those mm-hmm. days are great. But when you've got slips and mud holes and everything else and the hole beside it's venting and they're chucking out, you know, mud balls the size of a football. Oh, those days suck, man. Yep. <laughs> and I, I realized I was like, I, I'm not, this is not what I want to do. I think I want to do something else. And you were so supportive. What you could have done right there in that moment, like so many people were, keep your head down, shut up, and do your job. Right. Don't dream. But instead, you were like, dream, do, make a decision to move forward and have that goal of where you're heading. Guys, I'm really big on 20-year plans. I'm really big on having a goal. I have um, our partner. I want him on full-time in a year. That's my goal. That's what I'm pushing for, to have him full-time in a year. Um, my goal for this podcast is not to get listeners just to get listeners, but get listeners to change lives. And so if you're listening to this, please share it, please share it, man. And, you know, get that word out that we're all in this together. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to falter. Bad things are going to happen. You're, as you say it so eloquently, the house of cards is going to fall. And when it does, don't stay down, grieve, get over it, make a decision and move forward. And guys, man, I have seen people in life that I know personally, that Darren and I know personally, that have never moved forward. They decided to stay in one place. That's who they are. They're not going to reinvent themselves. They've been labeled. They're fine with that label. And that's all they're ever going to do. That's all. And that's okay for them. But you can't allow those people to decide what you're going to do. Right. You can't. Well, and and that's that that part of, you know, success for Michael Bowman and Bowman Legacies is going to be a different picture mm-hmm. than success for Darren. Yeah. In ministry. Yeah. You know, my my picture of success is going to work for me, just like your listeners. Um, their picture of what success is to them is what's important. Yeah. Not what, you know, every every individual that wants to tell them what success looks like. Mm-hmm. Because success, you know, to some people, success would be, okay, I have to, I have to achieve a million dollars in sales. Right. Okay. Well, another guy, his, my, his definition of success was, is that he makes $45,000 this next year. Right. And then working at the same company. And working out, <laughs> working at the same company. <laughs> Been that 45,000 guy. But that level of like what you said there a second ago about that level of happiness. Find out, that's that part of self-evaluation. What is it that is going to, 
I, I, I hate using the term make me happy because that's such a term that's, well, that could go in so many directions. Right. But you need to define what success is to you mm-hmm. and to your family mm-hmm. and then move forward in that direction. Yeah. And I always use this move forward, move forward. I, years and years ago, I, I drove a semi. And you learn really quick that your mirrors on the sides are your best friend. Mm-hmm. And you drive everything from those mirrors when you're backing up and everything, except when you're going forward. Picture it in a car. Mm-hmm. You're not going anywhere looking in the rearview mirror. No. You're always having to look at that front glass mm-hmm. to see where you're heading in your direction. Too many people look behind them mm-hmm. and dwell on the past. Right. Oh, man, I used to have X amount in sales. I used to have so many people in my company. I used to have this. We used to do that. And I remember, and especially as we see all this COVID stuff and we see all the change in culture and and different things. Well, we used to. Well, this is what we used to be. You can't live there. No. You've got to move forward. You're trying to drive forward looking in your rearview mirror. Yeah. And it doesn't work. No. You will crash. Yeah. If you're going forward looking in your rearview mirror, guess what's around the corner? A crash. And even when you're changing lanes, you're reinventing yourself, you're driving forward, mm-hmm. you're changing lanes, you check those mirrors only for a second. Right. You don't sit there and look in that mirror as you're changing lanes and just stare at it. You check your mirrors, you make sure you're clear, and that's from learning from those right. past experiences. Exactly. No, that's a great point, too. You know, it's it's a uh, it's still situational awareness. Yeah. And knowing what's around you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't lose focus on everything that's, you know, behind you, too. Yeah. But um, because there's things behind you that try to clean your clock that maybe oh, yeah. did one other time, but you got to be on guard for it. But just as we're saying, you have to prepare yourself forward and and, you know, and, and not to turn this down a down a, 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 a biblical path. But, you know, even for me, you know, I have to remember, you know, where, where the Lord even tells us, he said, look, in life, there's going to be tribulation. Yeah. Which just means there's going to be trouble. Yeah. He's saying you're going to deal with it. The proverbial crap's going to hit the Exactly. You're going to have trouble. Things are going to go upside down and go sideways for you in life. Yeah. And, but we just have to keep our focus and keep propelling ourselves forward. And also one thing too, that him and I, that, that you, we both have done. And I, this is just a word of caution for those of you that say aren't single and you have families and things of that nature. Um, I did a sermon one time that it was, you know, be careful. Your decisions affect many. Yeah. Realize you're not in this boat by yourself. You have, you have wives, you have children. Many of you do. And everything you do or don't do affects their life. Yeah. When you're down, depressed and in the doldrums and feeling sorry for yourself and maybe starting drinking or doing other things or whatever, or you start getting a wandering eye or anything else along any life's path that isn't good and healthy for you, you're affecting your family too. Yeah. So make sure that your drive and your, your obsession isn't only about you. Mm-hmm. Make sure you realize and always keep that in mind that this involves your family too. Yeah, now, if you're single, go for it. <laughs> Rock it out. Yeah, no. But if you're not and you have a family, you, you always have to remember they are part of this equation. Yeah. And, and they, they watch you. They do watch My you. Kid. They learn from you. You know, they you have sons you. and daughters. They, you, you are are giving them the one example in their life that really does matter to them. Yep. 
and they will carry that on yep. in their lives. Yep. How many times do you see the patterns of parents? And then later in life, you see those same patterns in the children. Yeah. And so just be careful. Now, have that that tenacious attitude, that that go-getter instinct. I mean, you're going to feed that into your kids too. Yeah. But but also as you're equipping them for life in those areas and those great traits, always remember that they need to have a balance. Yeah. Because lives can still be destroyed even when you're making a million dollars, you're making a hundred million dollars. Don't make that always your end goal because your whole family structure around you can collapse. I never but forget. yet you could make that million dollars. I never forget watching a guy that had probably one of the most opulent homes I ever had the privilege of standing in. He had a Corvette collection so big he had to keep it in an airport hangar. <laughs> nice. Yes. And his goal was to have every year of Corvette ever made. And um, I think he kind of wanted to retire someday having a bet you know, like museum type of thing. And, uh, he passed away. I've just found this out. I love this man. He bought shocks for my motorcycle one time. Mm. I got to know this guy and he said, you know, one of the reasons why I like you is because you don't kiss my ass all the time because I'm rich. <laughs> and I was like, dude, no, I'm just your pal. And, uh, he told me, he said, um, you know, I'd trade everything I've accomplished for one day of happiness. That million dollars, those high accolades, Literally, we could walk in the Harley shop and he could buy 10, any, any 10 motorcycles he wanted right now. You know, he wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. He wasn't happy because he had so many demons. He had so many problems that he hadn't dealt with along the way. And then family got to see him not be so great. Um, I watched another man say, you know, or actually his daughter tell me, uh, well, you don't know my dad because she was having problems. I said, run to your dad, run to your dad. I know if I had a daughter and I have two now, yeah. I'd have kids then, but if I had a daughter, man, I'd drop everything for her. And she's like, you don't know my dad. And he was a very successful, very forward thinking, very good businessman. And man, he was losing the biggest legacy that he could ever build. And so I just want to encourage you guys today. I love you so much. I think every one of you that, that, uh, listen to the podcast, follow me online, start following Darren. Um, and I also want to encourage you guys to build that legacy. We'll far surpass your legend every day. You're going to fall, but guess what? That's where you have some grace for yourself. Dust yourself off, grieve over it, and move forward. Love you guys. Darren, where can we find you? Uh, well, I do my Facebook. It's just Facebook Live. Uh, you're going to have to educate me on doing the doing, oh, yeah, yeah. doing the uh, the old so, YouTube uh, stuff. Facebook, uh, Darren Burton. Well, no, it's, it's through our church. Uh, okay. New, New Hope Christian Church. New Hope Paoli. Christian Church. He does a live uh, broadcast called Coach's Corner. On Wednesdays at 7. On Wednesdays at 7, and that's uh, Eastern Time. Mm -hmm. and uh, Or depending on where in the country you are, because sometimes you're in Kentucky, sometimes you're in yeah, different places. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And uh, <laughs> um, I just appreciate the absolute heck out of you. Thank you so much for taking time in your day to come in here and chew the fat with me and hang out um and i cannot believe we actually had a cohesive conversation where something really just you know we didn't derail this whole thing <laughs> um because that's what i love about my friendship with darren guys uh once again we are brought to you by bowman legacies making life better for the blue collar people one ceo at a time we're culture coaches we are life coaches we are life mentors we are there to help you to optimize your life optimize your website 
optimize your business and make it better. We're also brought to you by, as always, good old Grizz Waller, who's getting ready to put that book out. Darren's actually read a few snippets of that book, and um, it is a Wild West sci-fi action thriller that will toss you on your ear. So we're looking very forward to uh, seeing that come out. Once again, guys, thank you so much. Like and share this bad boy, and let's get the word out that we're all in this together.